you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 11 today. And before I read verses 8 through 16, let me give you a little bit of context and put these words that I'm going to read into some context. This word to the Hebrews, this word of exhortation, the writer calls it, was written to a group of Christians who were experiencing hardship. They had been exposed to public ridicule and condemnation. Many of them had been imprisoned. They had faced the seizure of their property. It had happened once at about 49 AD under the emperor Claudius in the Roman Empire, and they had endured that persecution. You can read about that at the end of Romans, at the end of Hebrews chapter 10, right before what we're going to look at in Hebrews chapter 11 today. But again, in 64 AD, under the emperor Nero, they have begun experiencing this persecution again. And as a result, this group of New Testament Christian believers were thinking of giving up and turning back to Judaism. Many of them were Jews who had embraced the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, and they expected because the Messiah had come, all things were going to be made right. And as they continued to experience persecution and face difficulty and hardship, they begin to think, well, I'm just going to turn back to Judaism. Or for some, turn back to their paganism because they didn't express this kind, they didn't experience this kind of hardship that they had before. And in Hebrews chapter 11, the verses that I'm going to read, the pastor who is pastoring these folks experiencing hardship, he gives examples of people who have persevered in their faith, despite difficult circumstances, no matter what came at them, this sort of hall of fame of faith in Hebrews 11, the pastor who's writing to this group of persecuted Christians writes to them. And lo and behold, who do we see in this group of this hall of fame of faith but our friend Abraham? We've been in a series on Abraham. We've entitled the series Living uh, life in a fallen world and finding faith in a fallen world. And so this passage of scripture here in Hebrews 11 I'm going to read is really important to us. It's important for a couple of reasons. First, because we can see how the New Testament church, inspired by God, uses the life of Abraham to encourage believers, right? We wonder if we're applying the Bible the right way sometimes. You got to remember these folks, Abraham had lived 2,000 years before them. And now, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a pastor is encouraging a New Testament church, a New Testament group of believers, by using the life of Abraham. So we can see hey, are we using the story of Abraham rightly? Are we dividing the word of God rightly? So it's important to us because we can see how the New Testament uses the Old Testament so we can learn how to use the Old Testament rightly. But of course, the other reason why this is so important to us is because we face difficulties as well. We may not be imprisoned for being a Christian or face the death penalty as some did under Nero, but we face difficulties. We see the death of loved ones. We face fires to our home, broken bones, diagnoses, diagnoses of cancer or COVID. We face divorce and, and loved ones who have their families torn apart. 
we face difficulties as well. And so this passage of Scripture is very important to us. As we think about the question, how do we live a life of faith no matter what circumstances we face? How can we live by faith no matter what comes at us? Here in Hebrews 11, the New Testament tells us that Abraham has something to teach us about living by faith no matter what it is that we face. So I hope you'll give your attention to the reading of God's word from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 16. I'll pray for us, and then we will wrestle with that question together. Hear now God's word from Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Let's pray together as we come to God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have preserved it, lo, these many thousands of years. And I pray now that you would use the life of Abraham to encourage those of us who attempt to live by faith as we face many difficulties. And I pray that you would use this passage in Hebrews just as you used it for those first believers that it was written to, that you would use it for us to grow our faith and to teach us how to live by faith no matter what comes at us. And Father, I pray that you'd be willing to do all this even through the sin-stained lips of a foolish preacher. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. How do we live a life of faith in the midst of difficult circumstances? How does that happen? Sometimes when I read Hebrews 11, I get a little bit frustrated Because if you see there in verse 9, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go, he went not knowing. And then in verse 9, it says, By faith he went to live in the land of promise. I was like, I know he has great faith. and was able to do all this great stuff. But how do you have that kind of faith? How does it come? And I believe the text teaches us the answer to that question I want to look with you here at verse 10 
and then 13 to 16, and we'll see this together. But let me just tell you the answer that I see to that question here in the, in the Scripture, and then show you how it comes from the Scripture. How does the, the preacher here use the life of Abraham to teach us how do we have, how do we live a life of faith even in the midst of difficult circumstances? How do we do that? Here's what the writer says. He says that we don't expect this fallen world to give us what is only available in the world to come. That's the summary. That's the bottom line. I want to show you where I see that. But that's the bottom line. How do we live a life of faith? How do we do all these things by faith? We do it because we don't expect this fallen world to give us what is only available in the world to come. It's this eternal perspective, this eternal mindset. See if you see it in the scripture. I see it there in verse 10. We're told, by faith Abraham went... By faith, he lived in the land of promise in tents. How did he do that? Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Later in the text, it tells us that it's a, a heavenly city. It's not of this world, but it's something that God is building and so the way we see, first of all, that Abraham has faith is he's looking forward to this city that has foundations. The implication is that things in this world, the things in this fallen world affected by sin, they don't have foundations. There is no security in the things that we find in this fallen world, that nothing in this fallen world is secure. What is it that you look to to be a foundation for you, something that you can build your life on? We pick many things. For some of us, it's family, our spouse, our kids, other members of our family. Listen, I've got a great spouse. I couldn't ask for anything more. But even my spouse, any person that we build our life on, that person is sinful and mortal. And if they're sinful, that means sometimes they're going to let us down because everybody has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. Sometimes they're going to let us down. And even if by some miracle they were able to live life perfectly and they never sinned against us and only sinned against other people, even if they live life perfectly, which the Scripture says they can't, but even if they did, they're mortal. They'll die one day. They're not always with us. And so any person, we can't rely on that way. Our own kids, they're going to, as much as they do to make us proud, they're going to make poor decisions sometimes. They're sinful. They're mortal. I mean, a lot of times they just pack up and leave your house. That happened to us. We had one do that. Just went off to college like she was grown and could do that or something. They marry other people and have their own family. We can't look to people. What is it? Is it your job that you look to or something that you can perform that you do well? Man, we all think that we're so essential to our job. It was about this time of year that I slipped on some ice and broke my ankle about 10 years ago. It was a Thursday. I'll never forget. Lee Taylor was coming. We were going to plan worship together. He was coming for lunch that day. And by the time he got there, there was an ambulance driving me away to the hospital. That was on a Thursday right at lunchtime. 
They're closing the doors. I'm like, I can't meet today. And he's like, no kidding, right? But did you know, after I had that Thursday and did surgery on Friday, they still had church here on that Sunday? Just went ahead right without me. We think we're so essential. And the world goes on without us. Our job is not something that can provide a foundation for us. What is it that you look to? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Is it fashion? Is it the beauty of your face or your figure? All these things are fleeting. They're not secure. Nothing in this world has a foundation, has security for us, not forever, not eternally. And so as a result, we cannot expect this fallen world to give us what is only available in the world to come. I mentioned that we have one who's already gone off to college. We actually have three daughters, ages 19, 16, and 14 as of this week. If you think about it, that's a hard place to be in life. 19, 16, 14, middle school. Which of us would say, if I could do anything, I'd go back to middle school? None of us would say that. And as teenagers, we live life, and I think about where they are and the the decisions they face. Where am I going to college? What am I going to major in? Do I want to get married? If so, what kind of person do I want to date to lead up to that? It's a lot of heavy decisions that they're wrestling with at this point that they don't have a lot of life experience and haven't had the benefit of a lot of accumulated wisdom as of yet. And so Lisa and I often tell our girls, listen, you're living in a life in a really hard place right now. And that's okay. Let's just acknowledge that. And we don't expect you to peak in life at 13 or 14 years old. That's not the goal. Our goal is not that you're living your best life now at 16 years old, at 19 years old, because those are hard places to be. Well, I want you to know that our Heavenly Father looks at us the same way. We, too, live life in a hard place where things are broken, where they don't work the way they were designed to work. Beloved, we live life in a hard place. And let's not look at the world and expect that we're going to peak at this point in time. Really? This broken world? This is where you think you're going to live your best life now? I don't think so. Abraham lived a life of faith in the face of great difficulties because he was looking forward to a city built by God that does have foundations, that does offer security, instead of trying to get this fallen world to give him what is only promised in the restored world to come that we've already sung about this morning. The text goes on. Look at verse 13. All these folks who live by faith, we're told in verse 13, these all died not having received the things promised. (laughs) They didn't get everything they wanted in this world. They did not live their best life now. But they saw these things. What does it say? The text says, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. And and then we're told something else about how we have this kind of faith. It says, and having acknowledged 
that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. You know what that means, stranger, exile? Your translation may say alien. It just means temporary residence. <laughs> Since they acknowledged that they were just passing through. That this world is not their home. They weren't trying to get everything and live their best life now because they were just passing through pilgrims in a foreign land. They had no expectation that this place would be all that they wanted and all that they dreamed about. I mean, think about that. If this world is the best that it gets, if we really are supposed to live our best life now, boy, am I disappointed. Because <laughs> things are broken. They don't work the way they were supposed to work. And if we had any compassion at all, we would have great compassion for those who believe that this world is all that there is. The striving that they try to go through to make this world be all that they want it to be. The anxiety and the worry because it's not working out. The, the squeezing of things into the way they want them to be. Finding no rest. Finding no peace because things aren't going the way they're going. They're not the way they're supposed to be. Lisa and I had an opportunity to go to Huntsville this week. We went to a pastor and pastor's wife appreciation thing that our presbytery did. Joe Novenson came and spoke. Great speaker. Loved to hear him. It was a great time. Uh, we stayed in Huntsville, and we were there uh, at the Spring Hill Suite. Not the nicest place, but it was a nice, relatively new place. It was a good place to stay. Marriott property, so you know, hats off to the Marriott folks. Always good hospitality. But, you know, we weren't expecting to have a washer and dryer for our clothes there because we brought all the clothes that we needed. We were just passing through. We didn't expect there to be a dishwasher there to wash dishes because we ate out the couple of times we ate while we were there. We didn't expect them to have all these amenities when we're just passing through. But sometimes we do that in this world, Right? We're just passing through. And we expect to have all these things and a place that cannot sustain it and a place that's really not designed to fulfill you at the deepest levels of your soul. We have to lower our expectations for life in this fallen world. We can't expect this fallen world to give us what is only available in the world to come. To pick up in the text, verse 14 says, For people who speak thus, he's saying for people who speak this way, who say, hey, I'm just a pilgrim, an alien, I'm just passing through. For people who view the world that way, if they had been thinking about the land from which they had gone, they had an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So the key to living a life of faith, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what comes our way, the key is we don't expect this fallen world to give us what is only available in the world to come. That's it. One-point sermon, that's it, right? 
We live a life of faith by not expecting this fallen world to give us what is only available in the world to come. If you really want three points and like them, I do see three ways that this mindset enables us to live by faith. Do you see that in the text, how this enables us when we begin to view the world this way? Look at how it enables us. First, it enables us to follow God even when we don't have all the answers. You see it there in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. You know, sometimes in this world, because we want to get it right, when we want this world to be all we want it to be, we want all the answers, and we want to be sure before we take a risk or before we take a gamble. Abraham wasn't looking for this fallen world to give him everything that he hoped for, so he was able to leave his homeland. He was able to leave Ur of the Chaldeans, a place of great culture. He was able to leave his family and everything familiar to him because he saw himself as an alien, a stranger just passing through. So he was able to take risks. He was able to step out in faith even when he didn't know all the answers to his questions. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew he was looking forward to a city that would have foundations that God is building. So he's glad to live anywhere on a temporary basis while he's just passing through. You see how this mindset enables us to follow God even when we don't have all the answers. Well, there are a lot of times in life we don't have all the answers we want. I talk to high school students. Where should I go to college? I wish God would just write it in the sky like with an airplane. We don't have chapter and verse on that. What do I major in? College students change their major sometimes. What, what should I major? What should my career be? Believe it or not, I have seen people change careers. That happens sometimes. Who should I marry? Should I get married at all? Should I have kids? If I do have kids, how do I parent them? Should I switch jobs? Should I switch careers? Should I retire? When do I retire? What do I do with my retirement? How does that look like? How do I save? There's so many things that we don't have chapter and verse for. In fact, I would say we seldom have all the answers we want. And for some of us, that leads to great anxiety. But when we don't expect this fallen world to give us what is only available in the world to come, we can hold things a little more loosely. We don't have to have it all now. We can take more risks. We can move forward without all the answers, knowing that our hope is not in this world. It's in the world to come. A second thing I see that it enables us to do, you see there in verse 9, that having faith, having this mindset enables us to be content with less. It enables us to not have it all now. You see it there in verse 9, by faith he, Abram, went to live in the land of promises in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, and who were heirs with him in the same promise. They left Ur the Chaldeans, a land of great culture, a land where their family had accumulated wealth over time. They left their family. They left that land to live in tents in this less developed area. What enables them to do that? Because they're not expecting this world, this fallen world, to give them what is only available in the world to come. They're just temporary residents, just passing through. 
So they weren't expecting to live their very best life now. And as we look forward to God making all things right, it enables us to be content with less. It enables us to not feel like we have to have it all or attain it all now, which means we can be generous with our money. We can give it away knowing that God will provide for us. It means that we can be honest with people. There are some times when we tell the truth, even when we speak the truth in love, that we lose relationships or lose jobs or lose status from telling the truth. But if we're not looking for this fallen world to give us what it can't give us, and if we're looking to the world to come for our fulfillment, then we can be generous with money. We can speak the truth in love even when it costs us. Because this mindset enables us to be content with less, to not have to have it all now. This mindset, number three, enables us to trust God even when we don't see a way forward. Look at verses 11 and 12. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age since she was considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. Do you feel sorry for Abraham yet? Paul in Romans 4 last week said he's as good as dead because he's almost 100, so surely he can't have kids. And now the writer to Hebrews, who I don't think is Paul, again writes he's as good as dead. Poor Abraham. He's as good as dead because he's almost 100. But from him was born descendants as many as the stars of heaven as innumerable of the grains of sand by the seashore. Abraham and Sarah were way past childbearing years. He doesn't even leave Ur the Chaldeans until he's 75. It's when he first starts his trip to the promised land. And he's 100 when he finally has a child. And all along the way, we've seen him struggle with doubt. How are we going to have a child? It's hard to see a way. But they were able to trust God in the circumstances, even when they could not see a way. We looked at this in Genesis 15, that if the one who created the heavens and the earth, who created the stars, if the one who is the originator of life surely could bring life through them. This mindset enables us to trust God even when we don't see a way. So how do we live a life of faith in difficult circumstances? Well, the answer is we don't expect this fallen world to give us what is only available in the world to come. We develop an eternal perspective, an eternal mindset. We see ourselves in this world as just passing through. We see that nothing in this fallen world has foundations or has any kind of security for us, so we hold things here loosely. Don't you desire a better world than this one? Don't you want more? I have good news for you. There is a city whose architect and builder is God, and it has foundations. There is eternal security. 
You can build your life on it. And God is preparing that city for us. As I close, can I just tell you a little bit about the city? We don't see much of it here. But sometimes it's easier to let go of one thing if we see what it is that we're grasping a hold of. And so if the call of this text is is not to grasp this fallen world and try to squeeze out of it what is only available in the world to come so that we hold things in this world a little more loosely, sometimes it's easier to let go and to give up one thing if we see what we're gaining. Oh, can I tell you about the city that has foundations that God is building for his people. In that city, there is no more mourning or crying or pain. God himself will wipe every tear from our eyes. Not that there's no more emotion, but there's nothing else to cry about. Because the brokenness is gone, because it's healed, because it's fixed. God will make all things new. Maybe you have lost a loved one and felt that pain and that separation. I want you to know, in this city that God is building, there is no more death. There are no more infants who die before they really get to live. In this city, there's no more COVID. There's no more cancer. There's no more calamity that takes life. Maybe you love the culture in this world. Let me tell you about the culture in that city. The kings of the earth will bring in the splendor and wealth and all that is best of their nations into this city that God is building. Read Isaiah 60, verse 3, Revelation 21, there at the end of the chapter. We will build houses and live in them. We will plant vineyards and eat of their fruit. We will enjoy the work of our hands, read Isaiah 65. There will be no more shame because there won't be anything to be ashamed of. There will be no more blame because we don't have anything to blame on folks. There'll be no more hate, no more oppression, no more bickering and fighting and calling names, no more war. And the best thing about it, God himself will be our God. He will rule with righteousness, with equity, with justice, with faithfulness, never letting us down. And we We'll see his face. Oh, beloved, how could we ever expect to live our best life now if that's what we're looking forward to? But seeing that day from afar helps us to endure hard things in this day. Seeing that day from afar helps us to have faith in this day. Seeing that city with foundations from afar enables us, drives us, encourages us to live by faith in this day no matter what comes our way because we are looking forward to a city whose architect and builder is God. May he allow us to see it more and more clearly. Let's pray and ask him to do that. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. (laughs) 
Thank you that this life is not all that there is. Father, help us to live by faith in this day, that we would be people of great poise, people of great stability and inward peace, because we're not trying to get out of this fallen world, but is only available to us in the world to come, that city that you are building. Help us to see it more clearly. Help us to know just to get a little glimpse of it so that we might be encouraged to live by faith today and tomorrow. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.